Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I hope everybody's week is going all right, whether you're barreling along into your fantasy playoffs. I think most folks' fantasy playoffs probably start next week, perhaps the week right after that. I don't know. Probably next week. But if you're in them now, hope you're hanging in there. Uh, we're going to start start talking streaming more so tomorrow, Friday range, but I do want to give a little bit of a stream preview on today's podcast. So we're going to be talking the long stream, just in case any of you have forgotten what that was since last year and any of you new listeners that are like, what the hell are you talking about, Dan? The long stream will break down on today's show as well as, of course, the short Tuesday recap, just a six-game card. Not a whole lot of groundbreaking stuff from that Tuesday slate. A couple of injuries that uh, may have changed things. Uh, not a ton of ads and drops as a result of it. But there were a few things. And we'll go through that first. But before we go through any of that stuff, welcome to the show. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation. And I'm your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's pretty easy. It'll be the third result, I think, was where it tended to come up. Used to be. Maybe it's somewhere else. We do a lot of work on social, so I would strongly recommend if you don't have Twitter, you go get it. If you're finding this podcast because you already found me on Twitter, welcome. You guys know I've been making a pretty damn concerted effort to swap. Sweet equilibrium here, as I like to call it. Anybody that follows me on Twitter, I want you guys listening to the show. Anybody that listens to this show, I want you guys following me on Twitter. That's how we're going to... That's how we're going to stay up to date on everything. Show's the deep dive stuff. Twitter's the up to the this, this second... Forget minute. Up to the second coverage of Fantasy NBA today. Well, Fantasy NBA, I guess. Today is the name of the show. Detroit! Lost at Washington. Kyle Kuzma had himself a game winner. And when you play Detroit and you shoot 50%, even the Wizards can have a couple guys with fantasy value. I do have some thoughts on this game. We'll start with Detroit because they're kind of the easy one. It's still Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, and Cade Cunningham. You're not going any farther than that. I know Kelly Olynyk's been fine with Marvin Bagley out. Isaiah Stewart's been meh. Hamadou Diallo ended up playing, interestingly enough, after being listed as doubtful. He got himself into the lineup, but he didn't look quite right. So it's still those main three for Detroit. On the Washington side, Kuzma's the, the very clear front runner here. And Daniel Gafford as the starting center. He had himself a rough free throw shooting game, but if he makes another one or two of those, then this is actually a really good ball game with three blocks, five of six from the field. Just the free throw stroke abandoned him for an evening. And Denny Avdio, who we've talked about as kind of being right on the borderline, for me, tended to be a little bit outside the borderline, had himself a quad contusion he was contused in this ball game only played nine minutes and what that does more than anything else is kind of open things up a little bit more or it would if Tomas Sadoransky who you know I still can't figure out why this was the place he decided to land I have to think that there wasn't uh, a ton of Sato desire across the NBA to go to a team that's not really fighting for much I know they're technically in the playoff conversation but the writing's on the wall for this team without Bradley Beal but he's there and he played 14 minutes, and all it really did was mean that Raul Neto 
played 24 minutes. Ish Smith played 24 minutes, and nobody was able to stay above the cut line. I have to admit, going into this ball game, I was actually kind of already looking for a reason to part ways with Raul Neto, with so many other interesting players floating around right now. That sort of the low upside back end point guard types weren't really. I was thinking of the line from Ace Ventura. No, he wasn't doing it for me. Raul Neto was fine, and he had the big game when they went to a million overtimes, but that was sort of the apex. So I think you can move on. I, you know, he's going to be fine. He'll have some decent games from here on. You know, H. Smith, if he plays well, it rolls this way. Push it all back together. Kuzma, Gafford, I think are actually the only two wizards you actually need to be starting right now. And then at some point, maybe we get to see Kristaps Porzingis, although I, I don't really know. Let's keep moving. Atlanta, in Boston, Celtics fell behind early, lost Jalen Brown to an ankle tweak. Word was that he was considering trying to play through it, but I got a feeling this one's going to swell up and will probably cost him a couple of ball games, which means Jason Tatum is going to go crazy in the very short term. Derek White is going to pick up a ton of extra usage, so all of the sort of will Derek White hang in there stuff that we were about to get into, that evaporates, at least for the short term. Grant Williams has been amazing from an efficiency standpoint. I don't know that you can trust him on a night-to-night basis when Al Horford and Robert Williams are both healthy. I think there are just sort of enough options here. They might, but by the time we know it for sure, Brown will probably be back. I do love me a classic Time Lord game. Dude took three shots in 35 minutes, made all of them. Nine points, 13 boards, two assists, a steal, two blocks. Perfect shooting, perfect free throws. That is such an amazing nine-category deal. Eight, fine, eight. No turnovers, by the way. He just didn't have a three-pointer. Throw a three-pointer in the mix, and then you're really cooking with gas. Uh, Over on the other side, we heard that John Collins is actually getting close But until he's back, I'm still good rolling Danilo Gallinari out there. I know he hasn't been spectacular. He's had some really good games blended in with some really bad ones. This one falls kind of right in the middle, 12-8, and a block and a three-pointer. Again, missed a free throw, which semi-defeats the purpose of the Gallo stream. Uh, Bogdan, he's been good lately. Trey Young, he's been good lately. Aniko Kongwu left this game after getting bumped in the noggin, so Clint Capella should have a pretty... Wide open path here. Gorgie Jang is not about to soak up a ton of minutes. And I do wonder how much that led to Boston's big turnaround in the second half. But, you know, Boston and that defense, man, they once they figure it out, they'll lock in on you. So, yeah, two injuries in this ballgame, but I don't know that anybody really becomes an, uh, an, a necessary pickup. It just feels like guys that were probably already rostered are going to get to do uh, a little bit more than they did before. That's so that's when I was talking about like a couple things went down. Now you got to deal with what do you do with Jalen Brown? Not that many people were relying heavily on Anyko Kongwu, but you can obviously move on from him. Uh, but it doesn't create a magical new pickup. Brooklyn, Toronto. This is a tight one. I gave out the Nets on a numbers game with my good buddy. Gil Alexander catching eight and a half points as my gambling play of the night. You just knew they weren't going to get embarrassed two games in a row against the exact same team. 
I did have some fear that Toronto would get OG Ananobi and Freddie Van Vliet back for this ball game, but neither one of them ended up playing. So you really just had a rematch. And Toronto hasn't been playing all that great lately. They they've been kicking it. They kicked it up a couple gears last what two three ball games now after a couple of bad ones. No Andre Drummond. That knee tweak led to a missed ball game. So Lamarcus Aldridge. This is what we talked about. I mean, I've been saying it on every podcast, so nothing really changes there. And that's the thing. That's the way yesterday went. I said Drummond and Aldridge are both startable until Simmons and Durant are back. Both of them. Then when one is out, the other one is very clearly startable. You're going to get some Nick Claxton minutes, and he was decent here. I don't know that I would trust Claxton in the backup role going forward if Andre Drummond misses additional ball games, I certainly love Aldridge as the starting center. Seth Curry's going to be fine. He's the guy you start. And then anybody else, it's sort of a dice roll. Bruce Brown had been the guy. He fouled out in 33 minutes. James Johnson actually stepped up and had a better ball game here. Goran Dragic doesn't really have his legs back. I think he ended up getting booed in this game because <laughs> it was in Toronto. He didn't want to play there. They didn't really want to play him. Whatever. Gary Trent, you know he's going to do a bunch of stuff when Van Vliet and, and Ananobi are out. Thad Young was okay. Chris Boucher was not. I, I, again, I'll reiterate from yesterday's show, I don't think either one of those guys needs to be on a roster. I got a bunch of questions on Twitter. What do you think of Precious Achua? I said, I think he's not very good. A couple of good ball games doth not a good player make. Serrano's going to run their starters generally gigantic minutes, and if there's no clear fifth starter, then Nick Nurse is just going to push buttons until something works. So Flynn, Siakam, Barnes, Trent in this iteration, although I, you know, we might see Ananobi in their next ballgame. I think they play, what, tomorrow now? Another double, another back-to-back, four and five kind of thing. They got five games this week. Will any of the guys be back? I don't know. Maybe. Totally rearranges things if they are, though. Again, you know, those of you that are pushing through playoff stuff, you can't use moves. Like, you can't pick up Malachi Flynn in a playoff format because he might not play if Van Vliet comes back. He might play, what, 14, 15 minutes? Can't use a move on that. Roto, I guess you could. Okay, so games cap format, you could probably pick up Flynn and just see. Just make sure that if, if Van Vliet gets ruled in, you very quickly yank Flynn out of your lineup. Don't, don't screw around with it. You end up getting burned. That really only moves, only works in uh, unlimited moves, and generally, I, I, at that, at, that's probably going to be a roto games cap kind of thing. Unlimited moves. That, that's just you're not getting that in a head-to-head playoff battle right now. Minnesota, nice ball game out of the Timberwolves. They shot the ball really well, fifty-two point eight percent. Almost 53% for the Wolves. Beasley had 20 off the bench. Cat had 39. D'Lo had 22. Pat Bev, 10 and 7 with a steal. A couple three balls. He did his thing. Jared Vanderbilt was quiet again. And you know what? I'm okay. You can move on now. We held on as long as we had to. I thought for sure he'd come roaring back after the All-Star break. But he just hasn't had the energy. He's gassed. He profiles as a really interesting player probably for next year now. But you can't hang on to that at this juncture. He's just totally... Lost his mojo. He's lost his fire. Teams have sort of figured out, you know, go put a body on him. Everything else will fall into place at some point. So, uh, yeah, I give my blessing. I We had to hold on to see if he would get some of that fire back, and he just sort of didn't. 
Gary Tre- Gary Payton rather Jr. was a a popular stream. I used him in a couple of spots, and it didn't pan out at all. He didn't get his steals. That's what you want him for. It was kind of Steph against the world on that Warrior side. He didn't get a whole lot of help. Wiggins got off to a good start. He fizzled. Damian Lee hit a couple of buckets off the bench, but that was really it. Like Jordan Poole needed to be better. Moses Moody got hurt. So Otto Porter stepped in and did have six steals. All the ones we thought Gary Payton was going to get, they went to Porter. But, yeah, I mean, this was, this was Steph against the universe. Nothing really changing on that Warriors side. You're not venturing beyond the usual guys. And uh, the expectation is that Clay Thompson's going to be back for their game on Thursday. So you can probably just move on from Payton a day early now. Just sort of set yourself up to have somebody else going tomorrow. Clippers beat Houston, as they should, and we continue to ask the same question of the Clippers, and we continue to get mostly the same answers. Zavitsa Zubat's a very safe play at center. Reggie Jackson's been a pretty damn safe play at point guard, thanks to the increase in assists. Terrence Mann lately has been a safe play on the wing, mostly because he's just getting a ton of minutes, and ultimately he ends up doing stuff with them. And then there's the fringe guys. Luke Kennard's been a fringe guy. He was out Isaiah Hardenstein's been a fringe guy. He was kind of on the outside in this one. Got some minutes, but didn't do that much with them. Did have five turnovers. Yikes. Uh, Rob Covington has been kind of a fringe guy. He had four blocks in 22 minutes. He's been able to float it recently with insane defensive numbers. And then Marcus Morris has been more of kind of your 14-team points league kind of guy, and he basically was that again. So nothing really changed for the Clippers. You can, right now, seemingly start Zubats, Covington, Jackson, and Mann in traditional 12-team, 9-category leagues. Seems like that's okay right now. I am ready for it to change. At a moment's notice, drop of a hat. But for the moment, that's fine. Over on the Houston side, Alperen Sengun had one of his uh, rare, better games. He played 22 minutes, which is... You know, it's an uptick. It's something. 13-9, two steals, two blocks. That was a better one. But again, I mean, we'd, we've done this seven, eight, nine times on the podcast. At this point, if you're still sitting on him, you're just trying to get lucky one game a week, basically. Still no Kevin Porter Jr., which meant Dennis Schroeder, normally a very reliable fill-in, struggled big time in this game. I would still say anytime KPJ is out, you can play Schroeder. It'll generally be better than this. And certainly when Porter's out, you can play Jalen Green. He's another guy who gets a big bump because his usage goes way up. Took 21 shots, getting as many shots as he can handle, basically, when Porter's out. 20 points, four boards, an assist, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. That'll get the job done. And then you kind of have to just reflect back on the, the notion that when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back, which he will, it's an ankle thing, he'll be back at some point, then Jalen Green probably takes a small step backwards again. It's the way it's been. It's the way it's probably going to be. We just sort of keep hoping that every couple of days, Green gets closer to taking ownership of the team, or at least of the guard side, where Christian Wood kind of has the front court on lock. And then looking at the Dallas Lakers game, you know, the Lakers side, I, I maintain Carmelo Anthony, still a good stream, playing big minutes off the bench. He's one of the very few Lakers who has any offensive game these days. I mean, even LeBron's been bad. He's taking tired offensive looks, walking into long three-pointers, things like that. Lakers also really struggled to get fouls called in this game. It was super weird. Uh, 
Like, they were getting bludgeoned, and so technicals started flying. Russ has been horrible. The Mavs dared him to shoot from downtown. It wasn't, whatever. We don't need to get into the Russ thing. Uh, when Malik Monk starts, you can start him. The problem is, you know, it's going to be matchup-based. The Mavs don't really have an attacking big man under the bucket, so they didn't. Lakers didn't need Dwight Howard to be the guy in the middle. Although, I, I do think there's something to Dwight patrolling the paint, controlling the glass, that kind of thing. Lakers just didn't feel like they were going to have that much issue rebounding. I mean, they always have an issue rebounding, but against teams like Dallas, that also kind of go small. Because, look, Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, yeah, they're big enough. They're, like, the size of them is center size, but they're not going to attack you outside of a pick-and-roll situation. Lakers felt like they could deal with that with a smaller lineup. So Malik Monk gets in there. He's going to play ridiculous minutes when the Lakers are, are choosing to go small, and then he can start. But you can't really use that in a head-to-head play because you can't sit him in the games when he's not starting. And in Roto, you kind of need the roster slot right now for someone you can start most every ball game. They can't, like... I mean, we didn't know the Lakers were going to go to the Monk lineup until about an hour before tip. So give me Braun, give me Mello, and that's it on the Lakers' side. Who, by the way, cut DeAndre Jordan. I don't know why it took so long to get to that point, and signed DJ Augustine, which I actually think that's probably going to be kind of helpful for them. Augustine just getting a, a point guard on the floor who can run a pick and roll, who actually can space the floor a little bit. The, the insane thing right now is that DJ Augustine might be a better fit for the Lakers than Russell Westbrook. Your prototypical, like, decent backup NBA point guard is probably going to be better with Lakers units than Russ, who's likely going to be a Hall of Famer someday. It, it, like, you just, you can't be a complimentary star that can't space the floor with LeBron. It doesn't make any sense. And then Russ, like, you get him out there with some other guys who also can't shoot THT, he's got some moves around the rim, but he can't shoot. I like Austin Reeves for his defense, but he can't really shoot. So what are we looking at here? Monk? Mello? LeBron? Those the only, like, are those really the only guys that, went, you know, Wayne Ellington can shoot, but he can't guard anybody. Avery Bradley's dealing with a knee thing. Kendrick Nunn's been out the entire year. That was a guy that actually really would have helped the Lakers a lot. So DJ Augustine, bring him in. He can shoot a little bit. Screw it. You're not picking him up, but from a reality basketball standpoint, it's it's actually relatively useful. One of the nice things we saw on the Dallas side was Jalen Brunson getting back into it. Got a lot of questions and actually, frankly, was thinking about it because you have to. You have to be willing to react to what you see in front of you. Brunson didn't look good the last couple of ball games. We were trying to figure out, was it because of an increase in usage for Spencer Dinwiddie or was it because of just the normal ups and downs of an NBA season? Anybody playing the Lakers is going to have a wake-up game because Lakers on offense and defense are just terrible. Um, but Brunson getting his usual run, getting a few more shots, that was just nice to see. And then Spencer Dinwiddie is actually okay as well. Uh, rumors of his demise, meaning my own, I said I didn't think he was going to sniff nine-category value. I still don't think he's going to be a nine-cat guy because I don't think the assists are going to be this high every game. The efficiency's not going to be as good as it's been the last couple uh, but he does. He is hanging on to a points league valuation, and he probably will, based on the fact that it looks like they're going to try to get him about 28, 29 minutes of ballgame. 
going forward. And then Reggie Bullock, who's out there to space the floor, but still playing a lot of minutes. A limited upside guy, kind of like Dorian Finney-Smith. I know he had a better ball game here. Um, those guys are limited upside plays. They make a lot of sense in a head-to-head format right now. You just drop them in, you set them and forget it kind of thing. Roto, you're always hunting that top 75 or better guy, even if it's just for a couple of ball games. And those guys are basically not going to be that. You know, Bullock went on a run when everybody was hurt or a couple guys were hurt. He's still decent. Don't get me wrong. I like Reggie. I still I have him actually in a couple of ball clubs or a couple of fantasy teams where I need three pointers. I need uh, really good free throw numbers. I think that I think he missed his first free throw in like three weeks in this ball game or something nuts like that. And he plays enough minutes to where he usually bumps into four rebounds, bumps into two assists, bumps into a steal or something like that. And he's like a more reliable three point shooting iteration of Denny Avdia, who's been borderline. So if you improve on that just a little bit, well, there you go. Okay. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit today to kind of prep you for what's coming. A lot of leagues don't start their playoffs until March 14th. I have a league that's going now in the playoffs. I have a league that starts playoffs next week. And then I have another league that I think starts playoffs the week after that. So I'm 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 covering I'm running the gamut here with everything everything except a league that starts the playoffs on the 21st because you know f that that's too late that means you're going to the very last day of the regular season in a head to head league and that's just a bad idea. What that means and honestly we probably should have started talking about this late last week but I'll admit I kind of got caught with my pants down a tiny bit and luckily. The league that I'm in the playoffs in is 30 deep, which is a weekly league, which means you can't stream anyway. So it really wouldn't help me all that much if I was, like, getting out in front of it in 30 deep. But it did remind me to check which of my leagues, too many stupid got <laughs> freaking leagues, can't keep track of all this stuff, when, when they start. Each one of them. So I went to each of my head-to-head leagues, which, and I hate them all. Even the one I'm in with with good friends, I hate them all because I hate the playoffs. You do all this work, and then everything comes apart at the last minute. But I'm in them because, basically because I need to be able to talk about head-to-head because I know a lot of you guys are playing head-to-head and not Roto, and I want to be able to kind of cover uh, all of the bases. What I want to talk to you guys about today is something I call the long stream. And those of you that have been listening to this podcast for, well, even one end of season. So, uh, you know, if you listened, if you started listening last year, you're good to go. Uh, Pod's been around for what, four or five seasons at this point. But I know at least, you know, a decent chunk of you are new. And I'm, I'm thinking many of you are new from social media right now. So I do think I, we need to kind of go back through uh, how this works. The long stream is a concept by which you can maximize games played over a stretch that extends much farther than the typical stream. Most, of, most folks, when they're like, hey, should I stream this roster slot? They're thinking, okay, I take my worst player and I just make sure that that 
13th, 14th, 15th, 16th slot on my team has a game every single day of the week. And that's fine. In that instance, you're taking a roster slot that has three or four games and you're turning it into seven using all, let's say, four of your weekly roster moves. You know, maybe your guy plays on Monday and you pick up a different guy that goes Tuesday, Wednesday. You make a different move for Thursday. You make a move for Friday and then you make a move for Saturday, Sunday, something like that. Great. You use all of your moves on one roster slot, which, by the way, is a a terrifying idea to begin with, but that's streaming one roster slot and maximizing that one space. You've turned one slot into all seven games, and everything else just sort of holds steady. But there are a number of problems with that. Not the least of which is that you could be more efficient with the way you're streaming, but What if someone else on your team gets hurt in the playoffs? You can't take zeros in the fantasy postseason. I kind of don't care. And, you know, this goes into a discussion about being extremely ruthless with the players on your team, but we don't want to get too sidetracked. You cannot take zeros. You take a zero, you get beat. The way you win your fantasy playoffs is by having, generally, more games than your opponent in a given week. So, first of all, you need to have moves available if someone on your team gets hurt. Which means you probably need to be saving moves for Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it might be, depending on how it all shakes. I mean, half the time, by the time you get to the silly season, you might need all four of your weekly moves for covering guys who got hurt. My, I had a team that was a, just an absolute juggernaut last year, eliminated from the head-to-head playoffs because six players got hurt. I had four weekly moves. I had to just wear two players taking zeros. I picked up guys for my hurt players, and those guys got hurt. It's absurd. So the silly season sucks. There isn't a whole lot we can do about that other than trying to start your playoffs a little bit sooner. But from a long streaming standpoint, the way that you can maximize your roster moves while still also having some flexibility in case someone gets hurt or whatever it is you decide you might want to do. You might want to make a a switch on Sunday, like maybe you're within one or two uh, blocks. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a category you were gunning for, but like on Sunday you realized you were within two blocks of winning your week. And so you switch your stream. You go over to a big man. Here's how you do it. I think you guys understand what I'm talking about. My feelings are, during the regular season, you can stream N divided by 2. N being the number of weekly moves you have in your league. So if you have 4 weekly moves, N divided by 2, 4 divided by 2 is 2. If you have five weekly moves, two and a half, you know, whatever. You could, I guess it depends on how deep your team is. If your team is exceptionally deep, you stream two slots. If your team is a little bit lighter, you stream three, and so on and so forth. If you only have three weekly moves, then you really can only stream one slot because a lot of things can go wrong in that instance. This is the regular season. In the playoffs, I believe that with proper long streaming, you can actually stream N minus one. Meaning, whatever the number is, minus one 
slots that are streamable. If you have four weekly moves, you can stream three roster slots. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Dan, how in ever-loving hell am I going to stream three slots with four total moves? That, friends, is the beauty of the long stream. Figure out when your playoffs begin. Just for purposes of this show, we'll assume that your playoffs begin next week. And they perhaps they don't, but it doesn't really matter. If your playoffs begin next week, what I want you looking at is a streaming chart. Look all the way across over three full weeks and figure out who you can pick up prior to next week. So you're not actually using any of your four moves for next week. Who can you pick up prior to next week that has a front-loaded schedule? A couple of examples of this. Uh, Golden State plays Monday and Tuesday of next week. They also play Thursday of next week. So if you wanted to hang on a little bit longer, you could. That flexibility is so critical. So critical. Because if everything's going great... Maybe you make your move on Wednesday. Or maybe you wait until Friday after the Thursday game. Or Golden State also has a game on Saturday. So you could take all four of their games of that week and then make your move on Sunday. And this is like, think this through with me. Let's take this roster slot all the way through. Golden State is actually the only team that plays both Monday and Tuesday of next week. So they're a really good team to start your playoff stream with if you have the luxury of being able to kind of set things up like that. But they're not the only team that goes three times the first four days of the week. Denver goes three times the first four days as well. I think I'm forgetting somebody, uh, but it doesn't really matter. We don't need to go through. I'm not actually going to do the whole planning process right now. Let's just take our Golden State stream. Like, let's say you picked up Gary Payton, which, by the way, his role is about to shrink again because, you know, Clay will be back, but... Whatever. doesn't matter. This is a hypothetical example. What I want you looking at now is, what do I do with this roster slot when I make my move? So, for instance, let's say you decided you wanted to only hold that Golden State player for Monday and Tuesday. Now you're looking for who has a really convenient schedule starting on Wednesday that also once again provides me that flexibility. Denver goes Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then four times next week, every other day starting from Monday. So if you picked up a nugget, you could actually get three games the final five days of next week, which would give that one roster slot a five-game week using just one move. That's pretty good. And four games the following week. So seven games over 12 days. That's not bad. Or... What if you wanted to get even a little bit more creative? Uh, Denver's the only team that plays Wednesday, Thursday of next week. So if you didn't want to make your move off of Golden State on Wednesday, maybe you wait. You play your Warrior through their Thursday game, and then you're looking to make a move on Friday. On Friday, the Cavaliers start a back-to-back. Friday, Saturday. Then they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday again of the following week. So they have six games over nine days. That's a really nice long stream. You could pick up a Cleveland Cavalier and hold them for nine days, getting basically maximum games. That's six days on, only three days off for the Cavaliers because you use your move at just the right time. 
There are a lot of ways to play this out. Minnesota uh, has a similarly decent schedule at the start. They go Friday, Saturday of next week. So does Miami, but they're not as loaded up the following week as the Cavaliers. Toronto actually has a pretty good schedule starting on Friday of next week. Washington has the same schedule as Cleveland starting next week. So the Wizards would be another team you could use in your long stream. So let's say that you ran your Warriors Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So they played three games over the first four days of next week. Then you flipped it to a wizard. And you're going to hold that wizard from Friday through Friday. Sorry, Friday through Saturday of the following week. Six games on, three games off over nine days. You used one move next week, and you took a roster slot that, I don't know who you had there. Let's assume that uh, over those, because right now we're talking about 13 days, a week, and then six days of the following week. If you hypothetically had a San Antonio Spur, they had seven games over that stretch. Using one roster move, in addition to the preloaded one, remember you got your Warrior the week before, one roster move got you nine games over those same 13 days. Okay? What you've done now is you've used one roster move and you've added two games to your playoff schedule. That slot is still a streaming slot, even if you only had two players in it over 13 days because you're not attached to them and because at the end of those 13 days, the plan was to get rid of him anyway. You're not attached to the player you had. That's a streaming slot. And it goes on like this. If you make your move after Washington, you go to Utah, they have a back-to-back and then they're off and then they have another game and so on and so forth. That is long streaming. You can do that in multiple roster slots that all kind of start and end at different spots. That's what allows you to go N-1 during the playoffs. Because we just use one roster move on a streaming slot over 13 days. That's almost two weeks we used one. So over those same two weeks, you know, you have eight to work with at that point. We used one at that rate, and it's not always going to work out so perfectly. Like, you can't always go warrior to wizard. There's only going to be so many guys on those two teams, so that's why you kind of have to mix and match a little bit. But that's why it becomes actually quite doable to take three of your slots and get them into some sort of rotation. Cycle it. Cycle them. Keep it moving. It's going to be on different days, but if you plot it out, you know, let's say you used another move on earlier in the week. Like you had a, maybe you, you had a different warrior and you punted on them after their Tuesday game. So that went Wednesday and then, you know, the other one you held on to until Friday. Okay, now you use two moves. You still have two to work with. If someone gets injured, now you're down to one move. Maybe you save that and you use it on Saturday, something to that effect. So you're good. You come into the next week, load it up. And you're streaming three roster slots with a move left over for injury. I will say this. One thing to keep in mind as you go into the long streaming technique, and we're going to wrap things up here in just a minute on the show. One thing to keep in mind is don't, if you're planning on long streaming, don't plan to use up all your long stream moves early in the week. It's pretty important that something moves towards later in the week 
and still has that flexibility. Like if you if you had a warrior, like we just talked about, if four guys on your team got hurt and you just got stuck playing that guy for two or three extra days, getting into the next week to get your next chunk of four moves, that has to be something that won't debilitate your team. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. We're going to make sure that everybody kind of understands ways to do this stuff, but we can't go through all of them because there are just too many permutations. And while you're streaming along, this feels as good a time as any to remind you all that this podcast and all shows here on the Sports Ethos Network are brought to you by our good friends at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app available on the Apple and Android stores. I guess that's the... I don't have an Android device, so I'm definitely messing up the lingo on that side. But right now, you can prop up at Thrive Fantasy using promo code ETHOS or the links that we post from time to time to get a 100% deposit match bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. And if you put in just $10, you get a pair, two, of $20 nightly contest entry vouchers. If you put in a full $100, not only do you get the deposit match, but you actually get four of those contest entry vouchers. It's an unbelievable deal that you can only get by using promo code ETHOS. And to play over at Thrive Fantasy, it's so easy. It's prop betting. It's overs and unders. It's not traditional DFS where you got to mine the card for every single 13th man on the roster. You just need to know what the big names are going to do. 20 choices in the contest. You pick 10 of them. Fade the public. Go for extra points on a particular play. Or don't. Get the most right. Rack up the most points and you get a share of the prize. There's small games, big games, you name it. It's all over at thrivefantasy.com. I strongly recommend you guys check it out because we've had so many success stories internally already. Our DFS team, our gambling team, some of you guys have written in. I love the story of someone that popped in and did their $20 contest entry voucher and won like $1,500. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Check them out, thrivefantasy.com, promo code ethos, E-T-H-O-S, right now. And that, friends, is long streaming. We'll break it all down probably starting tomorrow as we kind of start looking towards next week. Tomorrow's show, of course, being Thursday's edition. Friday, we'll kind of wrap the week up, but it is going to be a different time now. We're not going to do our traditional week in review. Uh, it's time to start looking towards the playoffs, so the show is going to take a bit more of a streamy texture, which I believe is... Uh, Folks in the restaurant business refer to that as a streamy mouthfeel. That's gross. All right, hope that was useful. We'll break it on down. We'll actually start applying it to reality in the not-too-distant future. And we'll take a break. And by a break, I mean until tomorrow. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. I hope I'll talk to you guys on the Twitters. Pretty important. A lot of stuff happens. Don't leave us during the day. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Of course, follow Ethos Fantasy BK, the most important, the best fantasy news feed on planet E-Earth. We'll see you over there. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. For God, pretty good card coming up tonight. Talk about that tomorrow as well. So long. So long.